Hello and welcome to episode two of the Baggies broadcast. Who'd have thought we'd make two episodes, eh? Uh, this is your weekly take on all things Albion from the Express and Star team. Uh, and we are joined once again by the West Brom correspondent here at the Express and Star, Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, Luke? Yeah, good, mate. Not too bad, not too bad. And we've got a new face with us for the second episode, and it's Mr... Andrew Turton, for those of you who don't know, he's a digital journalist here at the Express and Start and a huge Albion fan. Andy, huge Baggies fan. That's it. Glad to have you here. How are you today? Very well, very well. Pleased to be allowed into uh, this podcast world, this world of madness. Oh, well, it's great to have you. We're (laughs) hoping that Mr. Turton will be a regular guest on the show, if not... I think uh, the, less, the, the listeners should definitely decide, to be honest, really. Yeah, know. let's see if how it goes. If uh, they like the dulcet tones, that's fine, but otherwise, you know. I can sense some Matt Wilson player ratings for uh, this podcast coming on already. Okay, we'll do that at the end. Thank yeah, you, yeah, definitely. Uh, now, we're joined by Andy, and of course we've had Matt here, but we understand that the listeners might not know everything about you both. I hope not. Um, God, so, yeah, I've, I've worked together a little uh, a little segment, shall we say, where, where we give the listeners a chance to uh, find out a little bit more about yourselves and your links with Albion. So I've prepared some questions and I'm aware that you guys have prepared some answers too. Uh, so it's going to be very simple. We're going to talk some Albion questions. You're going to, guys are going to give us your answers and then hopefully the listeners will agree or possibly disagree with you. Uh, so we're going to start with you, Matt, uh, on question one. Uh, your favourite ever... West Brom player. Favourite ever player? Hmm, that's a tricky one. Um, I quite, I used to always like watching Jason Kumas. Hmm. Uh, Richard Sneakers as well was a, was a personal favourite. Um, and more recently, Zoltan Gira as well was just some of the goals he, he scored and popped up with and the passion and, and the way, you know, when he returned, I'm sure you, you agree, yeah. Andy, when he yeah. returned it was fantastic so out of those three I think I think I'd have to go with um, Kumas just because I thought when I, when I was younger than when I was watching him he was just doing stuff with the ball that to me at that, at that stage I'd, I'd, I'd not seen Albion players do and mm. I, I thought he had great potential and, and never really fulfilled it really he was such a good player but uh, yeah I'll go with Kumas good good Tuts there's so many cult heroes for me um, I'm Thinking of people like Enzo Maresca. Um, I'm what a name of, that is, by the way. The most, uh, yeah, the most out there name that you could have had for a West Bromwich Albion Didn't footballer. Did he go to Juventus? He went to Ju- Juventus from West Brom, which was um, a huge moment, you know, because I love Serie A as well. And uh, to uh, to think that we actually had a player that we sold to Juventus was pretty special. But for me, I'm going for a guy who we all know really well. It's Super Bob himself, Bob Taylor. Um, he was a player when I first started to watch the Albion uh, as a wee nipper. Um, I used to see him, um, uh, he was part of the RCRD, this team that of course uh, uh, eventually got promoted from the from Division 2 and uh, he was a real talisman and he scored 30 goals in his first season and he was one of these guys that sort of, you know, he, he'd probably be someone you'd meet down the street, like a sort of, uh, you'd think he was a plumber or something if he weren't a footballer probably, but... Um, but for me, yeah, it's super Bob because, you know, everyone's got their sort of childhood hero and I think for me, um, he was the main man. Another man who came back as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, another man. I mean, he had that amazing sort of um, 
uh, sort of uh, career going off to Bolton and, uh, and 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 scoring his goal when he uh, up at Old Trafford, I think he scored mm. uh, a goal up there. Yeah, so uh, and then he come back as, as well. So yeah, for me, it's always about Super Bob. Lovely bloke as well. Not not quite the same move as Juve though, right? Going to Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the dizzy heights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll, we'll go ABBA style, like the new penalties, eh? Mm. Uh, Mr. Turton, your favourite ever kit? See, no, I'm I'm a fan of a bit of a garish kit, to be honest. Something that's out there, something that's quite memorable. I agree with you there, mate. And for me, at the Albion, I definitely had some away shirts that have uh, topped that particular list. For me, it was a, a particular a beautiful number, I thought. The yellow and sky blue away kit from about 1995. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I think it was sponsored by Guest Motors, really, you know, exotic number. Sky blue sleeves mm-hmm. with a yellow panel on the front. Yeah, yeah, almost fluorescent yellow or canary yellow, something like that. I think they uh, tried to fashion it as for uh, the fashionistas out there. But, um, yeah, for me it was a beauty. It was, um, I, I don't think it was very memorable. I think we managed to get to an Anglo-Italian Cup final uh, oh. in that one season. So, you know, it was a real, you know, it propelled us to success. But, um, yeah, for me that was a, that was a real beauty. Matt, my favourite kit from a similar era, I think, um, which probably shows you know our our respective ages was um, the barcode kit from the nineties. Mm-hmm. Just uh, mm-hmm. in, in a similar sort of way, it it was sort of ridiculous at the time, but looking back back on it, it's a thing of beauty for me. Uh, it's 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 the sort of kit that I would like to wear, you know, down the five side pitch, and you know. Well, that's the sort of thing with us uh, at school. I think everyone in our primary school had that yellow and had the yellow and blue kit I spoke about. You know, we virtually had a five-a-side team just playing in that kit. You know, mm. we we're all Baggies fans and all used to go in that. But yeah, the barcode kit's a special one, really. You know, the uh, that was the, you know it was exotic in those days. So something like that. It wasn't just straight stripes. It was uh, it was a bit out there for for West Brom and that as well. So uh, yeah, really. not not bad choices, fellas. Not bad. Uh, okay, Matt Wilson. Uh, what was the first Albion match you ever attended? Uh, I, I'm not sure actually, because my dad used to take me down the Hawthorns when I was very young. Mm. Um, we well, took me actually to lots of games when we when I, when I was young, but uh, particularly down the Hawthorns. The one that first I remember was a friendly against Gothenburg, and I think we won four um, one. I don't really remember much else because I was about five or six at the time. I was going to say bonus points for the goal scorers. Um. I've got I've got no idea. Can't remember. Um, but I just remember thinking at the time, oh, we've scored four goals past a, a, an exotic European side, and mm. I thought, oh, the, the, we're brilliant. This is fantastic. And that's that's probably when I first fell in love with the club mm. and, and and fell in love with you know football as well. It was you know to me, Gothenburg were some fantastic. They probably were rubbish, but they were they were some fantastic team that had come over for for a friendly. Mm. I, I can't. I think it was a. I don't think it was a friendly in the summer. I think it was like in January or something. But yeah, I think I remember that one now. But I mean, at that time, we weren't playing, obviously, any European teams. And that. No. So to get something exotic like that was pretty special. It sticks in the memory. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the one, the first one I remember. Yeah, mm. yeah, I, I remember that one now. That was a good one, yeah. Kurt, uh, what was your first experience of West Brom? I'm trying to wrap my brain. I think it was actually uh, going up with Dad and Granddad to go and uh, watch them. I think it was second division. I think it was uh, Rotherham United. What I really remember, though, was Grandad bringing out his aniseed uh, uh, sweets and, oh, having, wow. and having some of them. Yeah, they were quite they're quite special. They were really. Um, 
But yeah, I think I remember the season after we just got promoted and uh, I remember I went up, I think it was my cousin and my uncle along with my dad and uh, going up to see us play, you know, the the footballing greats of uh, Peterborough United. Um, I think we won 3-0 on a day and Super Bob scored a couple, so... um, yeah, you know, real. You know, we're we're going in really. You know, on the big games. Mm, you yeah, know. massive, massive games. <laughs> uh, so, so similar question, but what's the, your favourite game you guys have ever been to? So, Ma- uh, Andy, sorry, we'll start with you on this one. Your favourite ever Albion game. Favourite game. I think uh, it, it's always going to be against the Wolves, isn't it? Really, you know, mm. especially you think probably as Matt alluded to our age in that as well. Wolves are the main. Sort of uh, rival, so to speak, um, and um, yeah, for me it was um, it was uh, a three-two win in that said season um, uh, when we first got promoted. Um, I think uh, I think Super Bob uh, wasn't able to play for some reason in that game, and I think Bully he, uh, Steve Ball scored the opening goal for Wolves, but then. Um, and then I, for some reason I had to get pulled off. I think he got injured or something, and we ran out three-two winners. And Darren Bradley hit a hit a shot from about 25, 30 yards out into the top corner. It was a, uh, an epic, one of those sort of uh, classic moments. And mm. uh, yeah, so that you know, for one of my favourite games, that was yeah, that's up there. Doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, no, that was it. Yeah, Matthew. Uh, mine's a bit more recent than that. I, it was um, actually when we won promotion or won the won the championship down in QPR. Mm. Uh, 2-0 I think it was I, I feel like I think Chris Brunt scored a free kick or, or or someone nodded in a free kick I can't remember which way round but I was actually sitting in the in the home and I couldn't get a ticket for, in the away end uh, by hook or by crook so I went and sat in the home end um, and had to sit on my hands the whole time you know <laughs> watching us lift the title and had to sit on my hands but yeah that was a, that was that's a particularly memorable one for me I imagine you were one of the last home supporters watching them lifting the trophy the yeah I was yeah <laughs> a lot of empty seats around you following that uh, okay your favourite Albion manager Matt your favourite Albion manager favourite manager um, it's, it's quite a difficult one probably because of what he did for the club uh, when he was in charge and uh, and the way he he got us, saved us from relegation, and then got us up to the promised land. I, I'd probably go for Gary Megson. Mm. Still hanging around as well. Well, he's still there, yeah. And I, I was fortunate enough to uh, interview him and meet, uh, when he meet him when he, you know, came back to the club this year, and that was uh, a, a real pleasure. Yeah. Andy, favourite manager? We've had some cracking managers uh, over the years. You know, I mean, who can forget Dennis Smith? You know, um, <laughs> of course, Pepe Mel was uh, uh, one of the the best in the dugout. But like Matt, I don't think you can go far wrong than uh, than Gary Megson. Really, you know, the uh, he was the messiah himself. Really, turned mm. the club around, and 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 I think it was one of my favourite times being an Albion fan as well. The whole club had a really nice atmosphere. It was a great family experience, and sort of you know. All the fans came together and, um, yeah, he was a big part of that. So um, And brought us Premier League football, of course, as well. That's It's not a bad job if you're doing that as a manager, is it? All right, final question. Um, which Albion player, past or present, would you liken yourself to on a football pitch and why? So, Andy, we'll start with you on this one. Now, people who haven't seen me before, they, they will know that I haven't got the sort of flowing locks. and uh, So I can't really <laughs> compare myself with, like, my heroes like Richard Sneakers and uh, you know even Andy Hunt and these sort of players. Um, um, uh, but for me, it was uh, I'm probably more of a Jonas Olsen type mm. character. I used to play centre back, full back uh, in my glory days, and uh, but I was very much of the sort of 
kick the ball or kick the player sort of um, oh, defender, you know. It wasn't cultured. I'm not a John Stones type of guy, you mm. know. It was very much, you know, uh, safety first, uh, kick it clear. So, yeah, I was always a bit of an Olsen guy. And, uh, yeah, that's my sort of level, I think, yeah. Straight to Rosette, is it? <laughs> yeah, straight to Rosette, you know. <laughs> Don't mess about, yeah, you know. None of this playing out from the back malarkey, you know, just... Uh, yeah, booty. With the hair of Neil Clement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah, a bit more Neil Clement, Richard Chaplow, in, uh, in appearance, yeah. And, and Matt, yourself? Uh, well, I'm sort of, a, I'd like to say a cultured midfielder, but not very cultured at all. Similar to Turts, I basically just kick people and try and win headers in there. Um, if I was being kind to myself, I'd probably say, you know, like a Sean Gregan or, or a Derek McInnes, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm nowhere near that sort of level. I'm, I'm more of a destroyer, so maybe a Jakob. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that, that probably suits me a bit more. I like it. like it, guys. I like it. And hopefully the listeners have enjoyed that too. They get, get a little bit of a, a guide on some of the guests we've got on today. Uh, I was going to touch as well. Halloween's coming up, guys. Um, I know this is a little bit of a chit-chat, general chit-chat before we get into the album, but you guys got any plans for Halloween? Are you doing anything special? I've uh, I've carved a couple of pumpkins. I've got to say, um, I've, I've I've that's generally as far as I go with Halloween, mm. you know. But um, yeah, I've carved them. Uh, you know, I've created a really nice design, big mouth, uh, done the little sort of um, uh, pointy eyes and that sort of thing. I watched a bit of scary movie at the weekend. So oh, you're you're not you're not a fan that's carved a pulis out pumpkin. I'm not. Please don't spread that rumor. <laughs> have you seen this? Have you seen this? Pumpkin? I have seen it. It was uh, it, it's it's quite the design. It really is. It's, it is. Uh, it's been doing the rounds on our Facebook pages as well. We've got a West Brom Facebook page here at the Expressing Star, and uh, the picture's been, you know, circulating on there a little bit. Every time we post a story, Matt goes through the effort of writing, you know, a very detailed interview, a match report, uh, bigging up some of the players, and oh, the first comment: Pulis out pumpkin. No, no comments, just just just, just the, the picture. picture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, um, it's in, it's interesting you've gone regular, but you know we we we're we're a supporter of the club as well. Now you are a supporter, so oh you know. yes, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'd never wish to sort of uh, uh, harm Pulis through through you know carving of, of vegetables. You know, I mean, I, I think the poor bloke doesn't deserve that. Matt, any plans? Uh, no. No, not a Halloween <laughs> believer. No, not a Halloween person really. I, I think I think um, the missus is we're, we're having something on Tuesday. I don't really know. Yeah. I'm staying out of it. But uh, the kids have uh, dressed up a little bit. But uh, yeah. I'm not getting involved. There's a there's a no trick or treaters sticker on Matt Wilson's window at home, is there? I can't be having with it. I can't be dealing with all these holidays. There's so many. <laughs> all right, we'll move on. We'll actually talk some Albion now, guys. Uh, obviously. Uh, not the greatest result against Manchester City, but I don't think many fans would have really predicted in that that Albion would get anything from the game. But a three-two defeat, uh, the scoreline doesn't exactly tell the entire story of the game, does it, Matt? No, it doesn't. Um, I, it flatters Albion a little bit, although I think there were aspects of the game that they can take heart from. Um, they were re- they were they were still in the game sort of up until the the hour point when Raheem Sterling came off and scored with his first touch of the game mm. and after that that's that's really when they City put the game to bed but fair play to Albion I thought I thought Pulis actually got his tactics um right this time um you know playing the five at the back uh he he loaded the defense against you know what is a staggeringly good forward line and he put two men up front um, which really helped, and in the first half they were pressing high. Um, and when Rodriguez or Rondon, you know, went to the ball and went and pressed the defender, the three midfielders behind them used that as a trigger to go up and and, and support them, mm-hmm. and it worked uh, at times. Um, the only the only issue was that 
because Delph was sort of um, cutting inside and, and drifting inside and making another attacker uh, from left back, Pulis then dragged Rodriguez back in, uh, into a sort of right wing position mm. and asked him really to play two positions. And a fair play to Rodriguez, he kept going for 90 minutes. I thought he had a, a really good game and obviously took his goal pretty well. Um, so yeah, I think there are aspects of the performance that that they can take heart from, um, but only if Pulis, you know, takes that sort of positive attitude in that pressing game and and and, and uses it in other games against weaker opposition. Because it's all very well him having a go against Manchester City when nothing's on the line. Nobody expects him to get anything at all from the game. Mm. So if it hadn't worked and they, you know, they lost four 0 and nobody would have been that. I mean, there might have been a few more. Um, chance from a few more boos from the from the stands if they'd lost heavily, mm. but I I, I th- you know the the I thought it was the right ploy. He now needs to take it forward and use it against the likes of Huddersfield and, and, and other teams as well. Mm. And there was that like frantic five minute period uh, early on in the game, uh, which you were really keeping me busy. I was I was working a number of different games, uh, managing live streams and such. And um, I must admit, I didn't expect three goals to come in in a matter of five minutes. It's something that Albion fans might not be too accustomed to down at the Hawthorns. I mean, no, no offence attended, but it's not exactly a, a place where you expect to see so many goals going all at once. No, and part of that is because of the opposition and because of Man City and how good they are and going forward. Part of that's because of the, the, the way Pulis set up and he had a go at them, which he does sometimes do against the big clubs. Um, he did it against uh, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge a couple mm. of seasons ago, got a 2-2 draw there. Um, and, um, and part, you know, and, and it, is, it, is, it is good. Um, to see goals and I wrote after the Southampton game you'd rather see a 3-2 defeat mm. and actually have an ounce of ambition than a 1-0 defeat and not even go for it and, and think about what if what could have been if we'd actually gone for it mm. so I think you know it was entertaining as a, as, a, as a spectacle Albion may have only had you know 20% possession or something but you, you sort of expect that against Guardiola mm. um, maybe not that low but you <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't the game that um, fans are going to judge Pulis on, f- for my money. Um, it was in the stands. There was more apathy than anger. Mm. I, I thought, and um, yeah, maybe they saw a few goals, which was nice enough. But you know, at the end of the day, gutsy defeats against big teams don't really matter. It, mm. It's sort of the, the meat and drink against um, the, the, the teams around you that that will make or break Pulis mm. this season. Would you uh, echo those sentiments? Yeah, very much so. I think it was a performance that had, 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 had allowed us to sort of be a little bit more expressive. The, the formation, the structure of the way that we played allowed us to sort of um, be able to move forward with a little bit more purpose. I thought that playing two up front was a, was a really key thing to giving us a little bit more of a cutting edge. Um, against the Man City team, I mean, hardly, you know, they've hardly got tons of weaknesses, but possibly one that you can focus on is the sort of slight inexperience they do have at the back. Uh, mm. So if they, so I think trying to put Rondon and Rodriguez up there, at least in the first part of the game, did give us a little bit, did make Man City work a little bit harder. Um, it is tricky because over the last few weeks we've seen some quite... Um, uh, Average performances, to put it bluntly, really from the Albion, not really being able to get a good foothold in the game, the Southampton game, much maligned performance, really, you know, from 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 uh, from the Albion, and uh, you know, it is true what Matt said, you know, these sort of games aren't going to be where they're going to be judged on, and mm. sadly, they've got a run of fixtures now that that are going to 
sort of maybe leave them quite on the back foot in terms of what the position in the league. Um, but you know, I think there was positives to take, and hopefully, if they can continue to at least put the performances in over the next couple of games, then it should buy themselves a little bit of credit uh, in terms of you know hopefully then towards a busy Christmas period, you know, being able to get some good results. Mm. You both touched on the, the two players up front, of course, Rodriguez and Rondon. Uh, is that the right idea for the future now? Should Pulis look at that and say, this is the formation I've really got to try and go with? I think so, purely because Rondon looks so much happier with someone near him. Mm. Um, I, I've been disappointed with him so far this season. I, I think he can retain the ball better. I think his hold-up play is poor. But... That being said, he is left incredibly isolated a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And he looks much better when Rodriguez is up there as a secondary striker. And Rodriguez looks so much more likely to score when he's playing um, as a secondary striker or at least as a forward player who is in the opposition's half. Mm. You know, I know he can play on the wing and he did really well on the wing for Southampton. But when he's on the wing for Albion... He's defending most of the time. He's in his half most of the time. Mm. And he's wasted out there. I'm sorry, he's not a defender. He's an attacker. And he's got a good finish on him. And he needs to be further up the pitch. Mm. So, yeah, if it, it, you know, even if it has to, even if the only way Pulis is going to play two up front is by having, you know, three holding midfielders behind them and five in defence, then maybe it's worth the sacrifice for getting those those two men up the pitch. Because without... With Rondon just on his own there against four defenders, he hasn't got a you know hope in hell really. Mm. Uh, and of course, you know who were who were the real standout performers because we saw Rodriguez get a goal, we saw Matt Phillips come on and get a goal. Uh, were those the standout players in the game for you, or was there someone else who really stood out? Do you think? Uh, well, Phillips only came on at the end, and, and he, he, I mean, he, he stayed alive to the chance so that was good, but mm. I mean, he didn't really do much else. Um, Rodriguez, I thought, played really well purely because. He was playing two positions. He was playing right wing and he was playing um, up front at times. And he and he and he kept going. So and he took his goal really well. So fair play to him. I thought he did really well. He was my man of the match. I thought Barry, um, although Fernandinho drifted past him, De Bruyne got past him quite a few times. Drifted past him and his and his age started to show a little bit. I thought he made quite a few telling. Um, uh, you know, he made quite a few. Um, Good um, passes in, in, in telling moments. You know, he, he set up both the goals. Although the second one was because of an Otamendi error, mm-hmm. and it was his, you know, sort of decision to to go and press and nick the ball off Fernandinho, you know, which gave Rondon the chance. Um, I mean, so that in big moments he was good. Maybe not over the whole game. Mm. Higazi again played well, um, and he's he's been quite. I mean, I know he's made a couple of errors, but he's been quite a good buy. I think in the summer he's been man of the match probably about four or five times already this season. Mm. Um, which is, is quite impressive. And he's, what he's good at is um, intercepting the ball and bringing it out from the back with confidence and, and calmness, and he, and he always picks a pass to, to a right player. The only thing I would question is that sometimes he gets dragged out of position a bit too easily, and that happened a few times on, on Saturday when you know he, he follows the striker or the attacker and then leaves a big space in behind, and that, and that happened a couple of times. So that's the only issue I have with him, but uh, apart from that, he's been quite good. And it was good to see, I thought, Gareth McCauley come back. Uh, I thought he did quite well as well. Um, uh, although he got take, taken off after an hour. Um, apart from that, Ben Foster played really well, even though we let him three goals. None of, the, none of the three goals were his fault, and he made two great saves. So, yeah, he was he was he was back to his best as well. Yeah, and obviously Rodriguez and Phillips, as we said, both scored. I mean, have they have they set down a mark for Pulis now? Where it's like you've got to start, especially Phillips, you've got to start playing him because he's 
he's he's obviously doing well. He's a direct player, and you know sometimes having that winger there, Rondon could obviously benefit from that. I think so, and I think if you're going to play two up front as well, you want uh, two players on wide, bringing balls, playing them into the middle. I think for some reason over the last few weeks, you know, Phillips have just dropped out of favour a little bit, and uh, I couldn't quite fathom out why because I, I thought that generally speaking he's been a good performer for us, you know. Um, mm. I think it's important to get him in the fold and, and to see him sort of uh, providing that sort of width that we need. You know, I'd, I'd maybe like to see McLean on the other side as well because I think that he's direct and I think that he, he adds purpose to the attack. And if you are going to have your three holding midfielders in, I think you need to have quite dynamic, uh, two dynamic players on the wings. You know, I mean, I think that not having Chadley in the team, I, I, Chadley for me hadn't been performing over the over recent weeks and I think that it was the right decision to sort of uh, bench in this time and uh, to play two up front and I think that if you're going to go forward having having Phillips in the team is the way to go for me. Mm. Now it's 10 points from 10 games for West Brom now in the Premier League um, and although you said it was almost free game for Pulis you're not expected to get anything from City so you know a 3-2 defeat in, in, in the front of it actually looks like a decent result for Albion to be fair but is there, is there going to be more pressure ramping up on Pulis now? I mean, this run, I mean, they haven't won since, what, the second game of the season in the league. Is there going to be pressure ramping up on Pulis now? Yeah, well, it's certainly. I mean, Saturday's game against Huddersfield was massive. Um, I would say that at this point last season, they had 10 points from 10 games as well. Mm. So, you know, uh, it, it, they're, on the same, they're on the same number of points. And then it was this game, the 11th game of the season, which was away at Leicester. And that's where things really kick-started. Mm-hmm. They beat them 2-1. And from then on, they were brilliant for the next sort of three or four months. Um, so they'll be hoping for a similar sort of um, catalyst this weekend against Huddersfield. Um, I think more, though, than the results, you need to see some performances, you know. You need to see some excitement on the pitch. Mm. Um, you need to see some ambition as well. Um it's you know it's not I don't think it's although at the moment because of this poor run I'm sure Pulis and the team will take any win win at Huddersfield even if it's a one nil win Mm. but looking long term I think you have to this season supporters aren't going to be okay with grinding out one nil wins here and there you know grinding out one all draws and and sitting on the back foot they want to see the team actually develop and evolve and I would I do have some sympathy for, for, for Pulis because I do think he has attempted to evolve the team somewhat by playing the likes of Chadley and Rodriguez and, 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 and having more of a, a threat from open play. But the, the, the problem is um, is that by doing that, he's sort of removed the threat that they had last season, which was the, the blistering pace on the wings that meant they were brilliant on the counter-attack. And by taking Brunt and Phillips out of the team, he's removed the threat from the set-piece. Mm. Because although Gibbs and Krakowiak are OK with putting okay balls into the box it doesn't seem to go in with the same sort of venom that uh, Bront and Phillips were delivering it last season and also you know you, you, you haven't had Gareth McCauley in there to, to nod it in and they just don't seem to be threatening as much from set pieces this season uh, they've only scored um, three goals out of their 12 from set pieces um, and one of them was Ch- one of those was Chadley's which, which went straight in last season 50% of the goals were, were going in from set pieces so they've removed the sort of unique threat they had you know what, the one thing they had over the whole of the league um, which is a worrying thing to do um, so moving forward yeah I think the Huddersfield game is massive it's a sold out away end and if we see another performance like the Southampton one I'm sure the away end will turn and we could, it could get pretty ugly indeed um, conversely, if we see a performance like the Manchester City one 
and they win the game, then it will be a good you know building block for the rest of the season. And people might start thinking, okay, maybe maybe this is the turning point like Leicester was last season. Mm. Uh, say say they do lose on Saturday against Huddersfield when they when they face them. Do you reckon there's any fear for Pulis? Do you reckon there'll be there'll be a number of games maybe that the chairman will eye up? Or well, the fans might want him out after mm. that because um, it would then be two wins in twenty league games, which is a very very poor return. Mm. And you know it, you would you could argue is sackable, mm. but the impression that I get is that Pulis will be given a bit more time. Um, you know, unless something catastrophic happens, you know, in the, in the next few games, and they lose all of them by six nil or something, the impression I get is that he, he's he's got he'll have until around Christmas to uh, to see it through or to turn form around. Um, I think personally, I think that the three game burst after Chelsea and Spurs against Newcastle, Palace, and who else have we got there? Uh, it's uh, another yeah, and another another team sort yeah. of around us, but Newcastle, Palace, and I think it's Swansea. Yeah. That's for me. That's the crux. That's the big. That's that's the big one. Um, Huddersfield. Yes, you want to get something from it, and if they lose, then the the clamour for his head will grow very loud. I think, but I don't think that that the board will necessarily act after that particular game. I don't think so either. I think that you're looking at. I, I, I can even see him seeing the season out. To be honest, I mean, I think from the board's point of view, they're going to see a guy who, of course, they originally brought in to bring stability um, and, and and be a coach that can keep a team in the Premier League. So I don't see them their thinking in terms of of of, of getting rid of that guy and bringing in someone else. I, I I can just see him seeing the season out, and if you are in a tr- in a tricky spot. They're going to probably look at seeing, you know, Pulis is probably the man that he's going to be able to get you out of there. Well, that's the paradox, isn't it? That's the paradoxical situation we're in, that if results go that badly, that you're in a relegation fight, the one man you want in a relegation fight is probably the one man at the club. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't really think of anybody else you'd rather have that's out there to fight to get you out of relegation. Um, so, I, you know, th- that's the situation. If things get bad enough to sack him, then the person you want to employ is him. And I think you're probably right that if you want to make a, um, a change to your ethos and your philosophy moving forward, the best and the cleanest time to do that is not during the season. It is, you know, uh, during the during the closed season and maybe next summer is, is, is might be a possible possible time that they look at that. That being said, if they keep losing games I and mean, if they don't win games, it, you, you sort you sort of have to act. So we'll, well see. it's a results business at the end of the day, and if the, you know, like you said, if the results don't come, there will there will start to be the chance, and there will start to be an even greater apathy around the club. I mean, the big thing nowadays, of course, is a January window, and it'll be a case in point that if the results haven't come, especially up till Christmas, is Pulis the man that you want to give money to in January? Yeah, and you touched on the change of ethos. I mean, you'd, you'd hope that if they do that, they're giving more time than say Crystal Palace gave to De Boer, because De Boer had what three, four games. And that that was an entire change of ethos. So you'd hope that if 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 if, it, if there was to be a change in the summer, that it wouldn't be the case for for, for the person to replace Pulis. Mm. Um, we'll move on anyway because we prepared a little bit of a segment here, I'm looking at some of the players uh, in and around the Albion squad, of course. Uh, and it's this segment's called Start, Bench, or Avoid. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a name of a player, and it's up to you whether you start him, bench him, or completely drop him from the squad. Uh, I'll start with uh, Salomon Rondon. Matt? Oh, that's a good one. I think that he showed enough on Saturday for to warrant another start. Yeah. Uh, as long as he's up front with someone. Um, I've been quite critical of him in this season. 
Um, and, I, and I think he does need to to buck his ideas up and and and, and be a bit better. But uh, yeah, I think he showed enough on Saturday to warrant a start. Mm. So for me, I'd probably say bench just because you know this is a guy now who has supposedly been the main man for us for a long time. Yet I feel this season more than ever, he's really gone off the boil for me. I mean. I wait to see. Hopefully, the the, the partnership with uh, with Rodriguez would bear fruit. But for me, I think we brought Rodriguez in as the as you know, hopefully a striker that can provide us some goals. You know, I, I believe that he hasn't really been given that chance for long enough to actually be the main man up front. And if Pulis is always, you know, kind of wanting to go back to a sort of one up front, uh, you know, I think it might be time to to give Rodriguez an extended time up on his own. Mm. Okay, uh, Matt Phillips, you start him, bench him, or avoid him? Uh, I'd start him. I'd agree. With, I'd agree with Andy. I think um, you know, on his day, he's one of the best players. You know, two-footed, powerful, pacey, can score a goal, can set up a goal. He may be. He may have started in a bit of poor form this season, but I think he he should be in the team. Definitely for me. Definitely starting. I think that it's you know it gives you that that sort of dynamic uh, movement down the wing, and I, you know I just want to see what he can do. Really, you know, isn't it a player that gets you off your seat as a fan? You know, you, you, his pace, he runs. It, you know, the way that he can give you that sort of direct movement. For me, I, I think he's got to be starting. Okay, Matt Wilson's on-pitch doppelganger, Claudio Jakob. <laughs> well, that's an interesting one. I I'd probably leave him on the bench. Um, I think. As much as I love Jakob and as, as much as I've said before, he had a great season last season, um, I do think that um, Krakowiak and, 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 and maybe Barry are just a little bit classier uh, in, in possession. Mm. Um, although Jakob's probably a bit more uh, tenacious mm. than, uh, than Barry. So, I mean, maybe he, it, it'll be one depending on the opposition. Um, but yeah, I would, I would go. I'd probably leave him on the bench for now. Do you want to see the Yak on the pitch, Tuts? Uh, no, for me on the bench. I think. Uh, Sadly, yeah, I'm a big fan of Yakov. but I love his tenacity. I love, you know, his biting the tackle. He does give you that sort of, you know, verve in the middle. But uh, for me, I just think that you know we have brought Krukowiak in, we have brought Barry in, and I believe they're just that little step above. If you want them players that can hopefully, you know, you know, be more comfortable in possession, I think, you know, hopefully. Those two provide that more than Jakob. All right, two more, two more. Uh, Nasser Chadley. Bench. Bench. Maybe even a void, to be honest. Not even in the school, not in the 18. I think uh, there was all the there was all the, the problems that happened in, this, in the summer, well documented uh, already. And uh, for me, obviously, he's got a fantastic free kick the other week, but is he really providing enough, uh, enough for the club? Is he, is he doing enough? I mean, Pulis must be... Uh, you know, really pulling, uh, you know, pulling his hair out, so to speak. You know, with with, with a guy because uh, you know, this the, I know there's been a clamour in, in quarters for him to be playing, but I, I just don't think he's warranted it. You know, I think there's been players in there that are, that have uh, been better, had better starts to the season, and and you know, I think it's well, time to maybe well, ship I, out if the deal comes for him. Well, that's that's a good point. I, I th- and you know, I think there will be speculation in January. Certainly, I reckon. You know, before he came back in the side, I was I was calling for him to get back in, but um, he was poor in those two games that he played. I thought his touch was wayward. He, he, I know he scored that free kick, but apart from that, he didn't do much else, and that's not what you want from your record signing. One caveat is I would like to see him in the middle, um, where he can probably influence games a bit more. It's the same sort of argument for Rodriguez. 
I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see him in that number ten role, especially with Morrison out injured at the moment. I'd like to see Chadley tried there, and he, you know, you never know, he might, he might rediscover the form that that he started his Alvin career with. Do you think Pulis has got a bit of a conundrum, really, with the, with the attacking three that he has, uh, aside from the strikers? You know, having two guys on the wide and in in the middle. Does he? Do you think that he has an idea who his best, uh, you know, setup is? Well, for me, I think he does. He needs to. Get rid of the, the three holding midfielders. I think if he can play four, two, three, one, then you can play. You can play Phillips, McLean, and Chadley, can't you? Put Chadley mm. inside, and and then Rodriguez up front, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's that seems to be. Yeah, that, that's the way I'd like to see it play. You know, I think it'd be, I think it would just, especially at home, give you, you know, the, the chance to see it attacking with a bit more. Uh, speed and, 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 and trying to be that counter-attack team we're never going to be a possession-based team but I think that that will give you that element of, of, of pace back you know and you can interchange it with you know Chris Brunt in there as well is going to bring you good quality crosses in from deep as well you know so I, I, that's the way I'd love to see it being played If Chadley goes do you reckon West Brom make money on him? Um, it's hard to tell in this crazy market isn't it? I mean they've had 18 so would they get 20? Arguably not, but then again, it's January, fees are inflated, fees are going up anyway, so maybe they will make money on him, but you know, obviously when you take into account his salary and his wages for the past two seasons, they actually won't make money on him if yeah. they get 20. So, Last one, uh, James McLean. Go on, Tess. Uh For me, I do like him in the side. I, I, I know he's not always everyone's cup of tea. I think they, they you can see him as a player, you know... Uh, Maybe he doesn't have the out-and-out skill of someone who can who, who can dazzle and, and sort of uh, get fans off their seats. But for me, I find that he's, he's tenacious. I find that he, he is direct. I find that he actually has improved sort of his, his final ball a lot recently. And I, I just think he gives you an option, you know, to, to play a bit more directly and, and to try and, you know, hurt defenders in that way, you know. So for me, yeah, I, I'd be starting him. I really would. I'd probably bench him because I think on the left I'd like to see Brunt uh, mm. ahead of him. I just think Brunt is a bit more cleverer in possession than McLean, and I think McLean will have a greater impact off the bench than Brunt. Uh, mm. I think he, I think he, I like McLean. I think he's a good player, and I think he, as I, and I agree with Andy, he improved a lot last season and it went under the radar. And he was one of the few players that um, could hold their head high during that disappointing run in. And he's been playing really well for Ireland so far as well this season. So I'd like to see him on the pitch more, but I think probably bench with, with Brunt starting. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, we do send out a tweet before the <laughs> podcast every time we record asking for questions. And we got some in today. Uh, Matt Wilson, uh, the first question comes from Mr. David Goodman. Uh, and it's uh, regarding Pulis. Um, if Pulis were to leave, uh, who do you think would be a suitable and achievable replacement? Oh, blimey, that's a question, isn't it? <laughs> Better look. Suitable and achievable. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me personally, the first name which sprung to mind was Sam Allardyce. But of course, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're going if you're if you're in a relegation battle, you did say Pulis was I, the man, but I the think next that's, best maybe. I think that's a bit unfair on Pulis purely because um, I think if you want a, a manager of that ilk, then you then you should stick with Pulis based mm. on what he's done for the club in the last three se- th- uh, you know almost three years now. Mm. Um, and what he did last season as well, I think. If you, you, you know, if you're just going to bring in another firefighter, I don't, I don't, I don't see the point in doing that personally. Yeah. If you want to change the the style of of football, then yeah, maybe you you, you can you can look at some somebody. 
Um, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head though. That's the. That, that, I think that's the problem. Probably the, the border facing as well. Really, you know, who who would you actually bring in? Um, like you say, there will uh, be people out there though. I mean, I, I, I do I do think that the argument who do you bring in is 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 it's probably a weak one because I think you should always be be ambitious and you should always be trying to strive for more. So um, I. You know, I don't think you could. You should. You should settle necessarily. I mean, look, look, look at Watford. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at Southampton. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they've they've had good managers in the past, and and they've been. People have questioned why they've got rid of them, but then pretty much in every situation they they, they then employed some, someone someone bigger and better. So, uh, you know, I, I I don't think you could you can. I, I think that argument of um, who who is there is weak. I just personally, <laughs> at the moment, can't think of someone. Fair enough. But yeah. I think, but, you know, I'm not paid to go and, you know, to go and actually maybe. find someone. Yeah, mm. this is it. I, yeah, for, for me, teams like Southampton and Watford have had their models in place for a while now, where they've been prepared to change managers almost every season, eighteen months, and and I think that. We were almost set up a little like that in terms of the the structure behind the scenes. We, you know, almost just bringing in a head coach as it was uh, prior to Pulis, um, and they obviously had that kind of ethos change with having Pulis, who wanted to be hands on from from top to bottom. So I think you know, if you are going to bring change that in, you have got to bear that in mind that you maybe need that character, not unlike maybe a Sam Allardyce, to be honest, to. Uh, to sort of steer the ship, um, maybe in the short term. That's a very good point. That mm. is because, yeah, Watford. That is the that is you know Watford's sort of modus operandi is we just have a head coach and they've got a mm. something settled above. Mm. Whereas Pulis, you know, he is an old school manager and he does a lot of the recruitment and he does you know you know he still sends his own scouts to games and he still watches games himself. He's pretty old school. He's got a hand in pretty much everything. So if you were to, to rip him out of the club. You're ripping out a big part of what of what he's built in the, over the last three seasons, so it won't be an easy transition if it was ever to be made. Mm. Two men are at work. Just just mentioning this, Cooman, uh, and of course Craig Shakespeare. Would you take over then? Um, potentially Craig Shakespeare, a uh, 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 sort of uh, as in the backroom setup. Potentially, I mean, I, Matt will know more than I really. Sort of Gary Megson's influence uh, and, and seeing how he's worked with Pulis this season. I'm sure they they've been well together, but. Uh, for me, I don't know. I'm not sure. Ronald Koeman. I, I I've not been a massive fan of the guy, to be honest. I, mm. I, you know, of course he did well with Southampton, relatively speaking, of course. But uh, you know, I think his time at Everton has proved that you know, he, his eye was already elsewhere, looking at other jobs like Barcelona, and uh, he, he didn't deal uh, dealing very well in the end. Mm. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I think Koeman would be, um, although he did really well with Southampton, as a club sort of a similar level to Albion. You know, that 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 period at Everton does uh, does does make you worry. Mm. Um, and Shakespeare, I, I like, I really like uh, Shakey uh, as, a, as a as a man, but uh, he's he's unfortunately doesn't have the experience as of other managers out there. Mm. Darren Gottridge asks, uh, do we have the players needed for the attacking style fans are calling for? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. This season, more than ever, really. You know, I mean. We yet to see, obviously see uh, the best of Oliver Burke uh, to come in as well, um, but uh, yeah, through the players that we've got, I think that we, we can be a bit a better attacking force. I think that's probably where the frustrations have been with the fans. They want to see, you know, a little bit more progression on that front. Well, on the bench on Saturday, you had Burke. No, Burke wasn't on the bench. Sorry, but you did have um, Phillips, McLean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Chadley. 
you know, you you had options on the bench there, mm. um, attacking options. Bront as well, and you've got Morrison injured, and you got and you had Burke out of the squad, so you've got attacking options in the squad. Mm. Uh, Gaz Sloan, he asks, what's the verdict on our young lads out on loan? Any indications we could see a proper breakthrough over the next season or two? Well, Tyler Roberts is doing really well at Warsaw. Um, there's lots of um, rumours and chat that there's quite a few clubs interested in him. Um, I think I think his contract's up at the end of the season, so Albion might want to tie him down to a long-term deal. Mm. Um, he did really well at Shrewsbury as well last season. He scored quite a few goals, so he's he's doing very well. Um, Lecco has um, started quite a few games for Bristol City uh, towards the start of the season. He's he's caught the eye there. They're quite happy with him there. Um, he's not in their their team at the moment, but you know he's he's doing he's he's done quite well. I mean, you know, he's still young and this is his first loan out. Mm-hmm. But Kim Harper's been injured at Blackburn. He was a bit of a shame for him, but I'm um, sure he's getting good experience and hopefully he'll be back at some point in the season. Um, Kane Wilson um, is at Exeter and made his league debut on Saturday, uh, but got sent off for, ki- <laughs> for kicking the ball away uh, in the final in the final minute. So that's something he'll probably learn from because that's that's a poor red card to receive. Mm. But that being said, um, he, apparently, you know, reading a few of the reports from from down in Devon, he, he did quite well. And uh, it's good that they're giving him some games um, down there. So hopefully um, he'll come back, uh, you know, with a, with a few minutes under his belt. Mm. Final question from Paul Chappelle: uh, Are fans' expectations too high? Should people be content with surviving, considering our fan base? First of all, I think it's Paul Chappell. Oh, apologies, <laughs> apologies Paul, if I've pronounced that wrong. He's made you French, Paul. Yeah, Paul, nice. Paul regularly contributes uh, to Albion Outlook, which is our fan page, and he's he's normally spot on, to be fair to him. Yeah. What did he ask, sorry? Uh, well, Mr Chappell asks, <laughs> are fans' expectations too high? Should people be content with surviving, considering our fan base? For me... I- it's a tricky one. I, the Premier League is so heavily scrutinised. You can uh, you can analyse it almost twenty four seven. And I think maybe some fans, myself included, have probably bought in a lot to that sort of side of of, of, of looking at ourselves and thinking and wishing that we were, um, uh, you know, a, a better side and, and 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 progressing to a higher standard. I think you do have to have a reality check. Uh, and, and realise the side of club you are and, 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 and try to build on that community thing. I think there's teams like Brighton who've come up and uh, who are teams that seem to have fostered that sense of community about their club and, mm. and, and still sort of uh, retain that in the Premier League. And I feel that's gone a little bit with us uh, at the moment. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of sort of conflicting opinions and, and, and people questioning the manager and other people sort of keen for us to stay where we are. So I, I don't know... Uh, yeah, it's a tricky one, really. But um, yeah, do you think that do you think that the divisive nature of the head coach is, is sort of um, it battens down the hatches of people at the club? You know, because when so many fans are against the head coach, not not purely by results, but mm. just just out of sheer nature, well, then then it, it, what it does is that community aspect of everyone pulling together is just sort of lost. And when you've got fans not not turning up to the ground and you've got empty seats and that that you know that that good feeling around the place is lost and I, I think it is the case people always from the outside would say well come on you're in the Premier League you know you should be this is this is the promised land you should be loving it well you know the reality is uh, you know it does become day after day after a while you know it, it is where we've played for a while now and I, I think that fans 
you know, as naturally with clubs, they they sort of fall in and out of love with it, and and you just don't go up as much. Some may not, and I think that's just the case with the Albion at the minute, and and performances certainly since the the running from last season and the way that certain games have gone this season just yeah. haven't helped the cause at all. Well, familiarity sort of breeds contempt, doesn't Very it? Much. And I think um, you know people want variety. You know, you speak to to Villa fans. They had such a good time last season going to all these new grounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they went in numbers. They enjoyed their time because they'd never been to some of these places before. Mm-hmm. I speak to Newcastle fans. They love their time down in the Championship. Now, I'm not saying Albion should be relegated or, or should be trying to get relegated. Of course not, because you want to be ambitious and do as well as you can. But I think for the fan that goes week in, week out, and for the fan that, that spends you know hundreds, thousands of pounds a season following their club, it is getting a bit same old same old and uh, you know with with Albion the way that we play under Pulis again you know certainly you know you you do kind of get the mickey taken out of you sometimes Mm. when you you know when you watch Monday Night Football and you can see a barrage of uh, tweets uh, 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 you know talking about uh, People, the way they, uh, they, they, you know, can't believe they're tuning in to watch the Albion again and that sort of thing, you know. So I, people read that and they'll, and you know, you do sit there and think, oh, probably are they right a little bit. But, you know, it, it is your own term club and I think that, you know, it balls away after all. The one thing about that point I will say is that everybody, every team that is sort of exciting going forward and dodgy at the back, they always complain about their defence. I mean, look at, look at Klopp mm. at Liverpool. Yeah, 100%. So you, uh, That's when you do have you to know, take your step back. You do have to temper it a bit. Because yeah. if, if, say, Mowbray came back and we were playing oh. gorgeous football, but leaking goals... It was 4-3 every week. Yeah, this is it. Oh, no, I, you know, by all means, I'm not one of these that are down on Tony at all, you know, all the time. I think that he has... Provided that stability is fantastic, so but yeah, uh, you know. Well, we appreciate all those questions coming in. Make sure to keep them coming uh, as we continue through the season. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, Huddersfield. Now we are running a little short on time, so we'll try and rush this out. Uh, is this the right time to face the Terriers? I mean, they they went and played against Liverpool. They didn't do a whole lot. Um, I don't know. I mean, they've only they've only scored in two of the last eight league games, so they're not very potent in front of goal. But they did have that, you know confidence boosting win against uh, Man United so mm. and then they you know that game was at Anfield I think so I mean, that's a tough place to go and mm-hmm. you know for a newly promoted side they'll be you know more focused on this game I imagine you know as a newly promoted team they'll think right home against West Brom that's much more achievable to win than away to Liverpool mm. um, so they'll be up for it I don't think it's going to be an easy game whatsoever um, that being said Albin should have enough mm. to beat them what do you think the key to the game will be? You reckon it'll be a formation thing, which which Pulis will need to sort out, or I think potentially, yeah. I think it, it is whether he's going to be prepared to almost play the same sort of setup as he did against Manchester City. Try it on the road, really. You know, try and see if um, if playing those two up front can can just give us that little bit of. A bit of something extra, really, rather than trying to revert to type and, and hitting on the break. Yeah, is there someone which Tony Pierce will be looking at and almost slightly worried about, or is there anyone on that, that Huddersfield which he shouldn't really be fearing? Uh, well, S- Steve Mooney started well, didn't he? But I think he picked up an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's back yet, but um, Aaron Moy uh, is, is, has played well for them. You know, he's, a, he's on loan from City, and uh, I think he got the goal against United, didn't he? And he's, <laughs> he's a very, very nice player. So, yeah, they've, I mean, but yeah, I mean, now we're established in the Premier League, this should be a, a game that, that, um, that they, they should be winning. And also, 
you know, not just winning by nicking a goal, nicking a one 0 They should be trying to win. Hmm. Is there anyone you expect to stand out from the side for Albion? Anyone I expect to stand out? I hope they all do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Rodriguez. You know, if he's played up front again and, and on the back of his of his confidence boosting goal. Hopefully he can get go on a bit of a run now. Mm. Uh, okay, guys, I have prepped a little bit of a quiz. Uh, if oh, you guys, fantastic. if you guys have got your uh, your quiz you hats on, yeah, uh, we'll have a go at this. So, uh, Graham, we got three rounds like we did last week. Uh, Andy, sorry, you weren't here last week, no. but I'm sure I'm sure you listened in. Yes, of course. Uh, and the first one uh, is, is again family fortune style. So you each you each <laughs> get to uh, almost buzz in with your first answer. Whoever gets uh, the top one then can either play or pass. And then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. So uh, we've got here the top five Premier League goal scorers of all time. So this is Premier League era for Albion. For Albion? For Albion. Only oh, Albion. Wow. Okay. Uh, I've, oh, sorry. No, I've got the top eight. Sorry. The top eight <laughs> players. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to get you to buzz in just by shouting your name when I ask you the question. So um, whoever whoever shouts first, you know, I'll give you the, uh, the first answer. If the other person can beat that answer, then they can play or pass. So guys... Who, it, who out of the top eight West Brom goal scorers can you name in the Premier League era? Okay. Someone buzz in. Yeah. Buzz. Buzz. Hurts. <laughs> um, his name's gone straight out of my mind. Oh dear. Um, I'm going to go for Chris Brunt. Chris Brunt is number three. Number three. He scored 25 goals. So I have to. So you can you have to better that. So if you can better that, you can then choose to play or pass. Can you better number three? Odin Wingy. Odin Wingy, top of the pile, thirty oh. goals. Do you want to play or pass, Mr. Olsen? I played them all last last week, so I'll pass it over. No, he's passing it Fantastic. over. Fantastic. Okay. So uh, obviously Chris Brent and Odin Wingy gone. Can you name the remaining six? You'll have three buzzes. So if you get them wrong three times. Mm-hmm. Goes across to Mr. Wilson to see if he can name someone to steal the steal Premier the League scores. Okay, um, I'm going to go for McCauley. McCauley, he is there. He is squeaked in <laughs> at eight. <laughs> Scored 15 goals for Albion in the Premier League. 15 goals, though. That is that's ambitious return. going for a defender straight away. <laughs> no, that's a really good one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, done okay. well there, mate. You've done very well. Um, oh, blimey. Right. Um, let me just try and think. We gave you fair warning for this podcast. I know. So I, know. So gave you a full I wanted the little, I wanted a little creep sheet or something like that. <laughs> some little little notes. Um, I'm gonna struggle here. Well, I think it's strikers. Yeah. Um, I'm rubbish in a pub. McCauley got 15 goals, didn't he? 15 yeah. goals. Yeah. Someone got someone got more than that in one season. The names have totally gone out of my mind. I can't believe it. Can we, shall we give him a clue? Give me a clue, please. Yeah, Matt Wilson. I'll I've just given him a clue. Someone, <laughs> someone got more than that in one season. <laughs> okay, this, okay, I'll give you a clue. This player was on loan. Oh, Romelu Lukaku. Boom, there he is. Seven, there you go. 17 goals. Right, no more right. clues. Okay. No more clues. God, honestly, uh, listeners, if you consider looks over the uh, over the desk then... Um, I'm struggling. Uh, who else could he be? Surely. Um, I'm going to buzz you out. If buzz you... me out. Buzz okay, me that's out. That's one buzz. you got one buzz. Can you think of any more? you passing them over? I'm All right. Okay. Matt Wilson. And you've, got, you've got four four names here. Berahino? Berahino is oh. there. Fourth. Scored 23 goals. The players you missed out on were James Morrison, who scored 29. 
Uh, Shane Long got 19 and Rondon. Why can I not think of these goals. names? People are going to be absolutely cursing me. They're I wonder like, if you're actually he, a fan. Is he actually a fan? <laughs> <laughs> Fine, it's fine. Oh god, it's the pressure. It's the pressure. That's it what it is. You know, people think it's easy when they're listening on on the train, but when when you're sat in here, I don't room. know. Matt just knocked out the names written down on his pad. Quickly, <laughs> to be honest, he is an Albion reporter. Though, man. <laughs> uh, this one might be a little bit trickier though. Uh, we've got previous players. So West Brom faced Huddersfield this weekend. Uh, the last time they played each other was back in t- January 2010. It was the FA Cup third round. West Brom won that game 2-0. How many players can you name who played for Albion in that game? This is 2010, January 2010. Right, okay. So this works the same. Okay. Shall I start bidding? The starting lineup. Oh. So we're going to get bids. Bids. Bids for the number of answers you can give. Three. Yeah, I'm going to go four. Four for Turts. Five. Five for Matt Wilson. Why not win shit that is? Six then. Six? You can name those six. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's done well there, okay. Matt Wilson. He's worked you up to six there, mate. Right. Uh, Lee Hughes. No, he didn't start, mate, I'm afraid. Oh, you're joking. I, I'm to be honest with you. <laughs> he wasn't he didn't even he didn't even get subbed on me. He wasn't even in the squad. Oh blimey. It's a bit late, I think, isn't it? Is it? 2010? 2010. January 2010. Maybe, okay. Oh no, this is going to be awful. This is going to be a car crash. Yeah, isn't you've, it? you've got two, lives, two, more two lives. lives remaining. Right, okay. Uh, I'm going to go Chris Brunt. Chris Brunt was there. He started the game. Okay, uh, I'm going to go uh, Jonas Olsen. Jonas Olsen started. Um, ben Foster. No, no Ben Foster. Oh, One life. Was it in my hill? No. Oh. It wasn't. <laughs> Is that two lives? <laughs> That's it. Oh, no. Okay, uh, I'm going to go for... We'll, we'll give you that one. Matt Wilson's giving me the stairs here because it's three That's lives. Fine. But we'll give you one more because there is no... I, I, to be honest, so I don't think you're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for... Um, uh, Shane Long. Shane Long. Didn't start, mate. No, oh, are you joking? No, he didn't. Right. Well, that so that's it. That's your free line. So I just have to get one, do I? Uh, yeah. Well, technically you've won this one anyway because it's a who dares bidding game. But you can, if you can name one, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely award you the win. <laughs> Mozza. Mozza. No. Uh, okay. Um, Chris Wood. No. This is a tricky one. Marek Cech. Marek Cech is there. Oh, well what done. A, well, do you hey, guys, that's a great show. Do you guys want to hear the starting line? Yeah, go on. That day? Scott Carson was in goal. Uh, Cech, Olsen mm-hmm. and Gonzalo Hara. Is it Hara or Jai? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shelton oh, Martis. Blimey. Yusuf yeah. Malumbu, Philippe Sixera. Oh, I had Malumbu. Mm. Graham Dorans, Roman Bedner and Simon Cox. Simon Coxie, Cox? Yeah, Coxie. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was way off if you use it then. Robert Corrin came on. Ruben Reed oh, came Colin, on. Yeah. Ruben Reed. Do you, do you guys want to play the third one? Yeah, go on quickly. Let's do get it. this one out of the way. And then we'll move on to predictions for the game. Okay, it's a quick one, this one. True or false? I'm going to give you five questions each. Whoever gets the most right out of this. It's referring to the game which happened on the weekend. West Brom versus Man City. Matt, I'll start with you. True or false? West Brom totaled one less shot on target than Manchester City. True. Correct. Uh, Albion had just 22% possession in the game. True. Correct. There were six total corners. False. 
You're right, there were just three. <laughs> Manchester City completed 844 passes in the game, the most by a Premier League side since the start of the 2004 campaign. Nailed True. it, nailed it. <laughs> and West Brom have now conceded more than 40 goals to City in the past six meetings. Six? Past 16, 16. Mm. Sorry. Oh, right. That's oh. More than 40 or less, well, more than 40 goals to City in the past 16. True. Correct? All five. Sorry, Turks. That's top quality answering. Absolutely. Andy, uh, your five questions. Yeah. Man City used all three substitutes during the game. (laughs) Uh, False. You're right, just two of them. Mm -hmm. Just two subs. West Brom received fewer yellow cards than Manchester City. False. No, it's true. Oh. There were three Man City bookings, just two for Albion. How Robson Carnu came on for the baggies with more than half an hour remaining. Uh, true. Yes, there were 32 minutes left. Yeah. Oh, that's close. Close one. Uh, Gregor Kokoviak played the full 90 minutes. False. You're right. He was replaced with nine minutes to go by James McLean. Oh, oh, yeah. And West Brom are now 33 goals behind Manchester City on goal difference following the game. True. Nailed it. Manchester City plus 29, Albion minus four. Right. All right, guys. So finally, we'll look ahead at the game. Uh, Huddersfield, let's get some match predictions from you both. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. I think we'll win. Away win. I, I, I reckon Pulis will pull it out of the bag. And yeah, I don't know if it's going to be pretty, but I think it'll be a win. You got a scoreline for me? 2-1. 2-1. Turts. I'm afraid, I think, we may end up drawing 1-1. I think we might go in front, but concede late, sadly. Again? Yeah. I'm actually backing Albion this time. I, oh, think, I think Albion will, will go there, and I, I think Huddersfield are out of sorts a little bit. 2-0. Uh, two, two Albion. 2-0 Albion. Confident. Shut out as well. Superb. All right, so that about does it for us. Uh Good luck to Albion, of course, this weekend. Matt, you can follow Matt Wilson on Twitter throughout the week for all the latest Albion news. Uh, we appreciate all the questions and comments you guys send in. Make sure you do give us a review. We're available on iTunes now, so you can subscribe to us via that. It'll come straight through to your phone. Uh, so, thank you, Mr. Turton. Thanks, Luke. Mr. Wilson. Thank you, Luke. We'll catch you guys next week.